0: Yes, yes, yes. Emergency podcast, people. Uh, listen, man, Woody uh back for another episode of Off the Record Podcast. Definitely had to record a special episode of Off the Record, given the recent things that's gone down in the culture. The biggest, notably, uh, Young Thug, Gunna, pretty much a whole wide Lil' Duke, Yak Gotti, so a few others that I won't name. Uh, they're all taken down in a conspiracy charge that was levied by Fulton County. Okay, yes, it was a uh, state-supported uh, a, a conspiracy charge, a RICO act that pretty much they were charged upon, and they're claiming that YSL is a gang. Now we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Got got some housekeeping to do. Last time I pretty much did a solo podcast it was a while ago. Okay, first and foremost, definitely got to give kudos to everybody who tuned in for the 6 uh, One Hundred Six Nine Hassan Campbell. And the Goons episode is pretty much our second biggest episode to date, okay? You guys always wonder, like, yo, why do you have 6 9 on, or why do you talk about him sometimes? Well, to be honest, man, like, whatever it is, when he talks, people listen. Whether they listen to be entertained, whether they listen to laugh at him, whether they listen to ridicule him, he brings attention. I'm going to keep it honest with you, okay? Looking at the numbers, and me and Spotify, we went over them. The numbers actually shows that the 6ix9ine episodes – did better than the next best episodes by a value of like six or seven so just think about just how popular is there all right anyway that was a dope episode uh the fallout of that i've seen whack 100 start beefing with hassan campbell and you know i was kind of trying to tell both guys like yo listen man yo we already did the great content like yo let's just you know we don't got to beef with each other but listen man You know how they say stay out of Philly business? I'm going to stay out of the street dude's business because they keep talking about shooting, talking about doing this, catching fades, pulling up. They're taking it to the extreme, and I want no parts of that, okay? Now, um, also, I definitely got to send some condolences to uh, uh, Kevin Samuels. You know, that was a rather untimely passing, and, you know, I was surprised. You know, oftentimes we're so desensitized to this like clickbait, you know, TMZ type of error where when you see someone being rushed to the hospital or you heard someone got shot or you heard someone collapsed, you're not expecting death. You're actually expecting, ah, they're going to go to the hospital. They'll be all right. They're going to get too Tylenol. He'll be okay. A little Tussin. And we didn't really get information via TMZ at first about Kevin Samuel's death. In actuality. Um, we pretty much just got and hold on. Let me just. We pretty much just got info through. Uh, give me one second. Uh, we got info through unofficial sources, really, because nobody really knew his official contacts. He didn't really have an assistant or nothing like that, and that's that was indeed the saddest part of all of this. Okay, so Kevin Samuels, he passed away at the age of fifty-seven, apparently. The night before, he did a live stream, which he does frequently. And on the live stream, he pretty much made some references to someone who was off camera. That person who was off camera ended up being the woman he met that night. And that person he met that night, which was the night before he died, stayed with him for the night. And then in the morning, he was complaining about chest pains. Then, eventually, he passed out on top of her. She is then heard on a 911 call, which is, you know, Pretty cryptic. And let me see if I can pull it up here because I threw it on my Instagram. Pretty cryptic um, 911 call because, you know, of course, when you like an entertainer, when they pass away, the first thing that comes to mind of everybody is that it's foul play. Somebody set it up. Somebody killed them. Okay. And it's the belief of people who love entertainers that, you know, hey, Sometimes God doesn't call your number. You know, sometimes, you know, it could be an accident. It could be just, hey, that's the time for him to go. And uh, Kevin Samuels and that young woman, her name is Hortensia Alcantara. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, I I was skeptical at first, but I was like, no, why why would a chick who just met him the night before kill him and then try to save his life? Because reports were that she was trying to get, like, a defibrillator and other things trying to help him. She was a nurse, supposedly. And then you hear the 911 call, which you're going to hear her voice. And even then, this is where I realized the internet is cynical because even with the audio, they still believe foul plays is going on because they don't want to accept what seems to be the truth. Now, we don't got a toxicology report yet, but y'all got to listen to this, all right? Now, this is Kevin Samuels' 911 call, right? And this is the woman who spent the last night of his life with him. She's 32. He's 57. You know what I mean? And this is how the call went. Oh, my God, I don't fucking know it's Kevin Samuel's You don't know if it's the hospital apartment? Oh, it's an apartment. Okay, what's the apartment I, number? I know. I, I just need to give him CPR. Just please, just ask the phone. You desk. need an ambulance? Yes. Okay. Are you listening? Hold please. on, ma'am. I have to connect you with the ambulance. It's Kevin fucking Samuel, please. I understand, but I have to connect you with the ambulance. I'm going to be honest, uh, judging by the, the lackadaisical response. And by the way, I don't know how they're training these 911 dispatchers, but in some of the biggest calls that come to light via TMZ or however those 911 calls get out there, we hear a lot of these uh, uh, dispatchers, they seem unbothered. They actually – well, actually, never mind. They do seem bothered. They seem like you're bothering them by asking them for help. They're like, whoa, calm down, calm down, Right? And it always seems like they're training a bunch of ghetto hood rats to do the job. I'm going to be honest. Can I I say it straight? Do I got to code it? No. I feel like, especially in Atlanta, I've heard a couple of these Atlanta 911 calls, and it always sounds like some ghetto hood rat that is the 911 dispatcher, and they always trivializing whatever the heck people are going through. Now, just listen to this call, and, you know, obviously – I would imagine, right, if you're a 911 call operator, you have to be taught that if someone's calling in about an emergency, they might be flustered, they might be at a place they don't know where they're at, they might be confused, and your job is not only to be sarcastic like, wait, you don't know where you're at, or you don't know if it's a house or an apartment, is to use certain language, I would think this is their job, use certain language to help people get to the, or give the information they need. Okay. For example, the woman clearly didn't know the apartment number, which you're gonna hear in a second. But it's your job, I believe, to help her figure that out. Hey, hey, how about you go outside the door and look at look on the door number? Hey, could you use your iPhone to see what your location tells you? Help us help you, right? Instead, just listen to this operator. Are you okay? The address of your emergency. Is he awake? No. Well, now they switched over to uh, another operator, or I believe it's maybe somebody, maybe with par- paramedics. Oh, he has an irregular rhythm. I can feel it. He's, he's breathing in and out, but he has an irregular rhythm. It's probably his heart. So we need you to get here with the fucking... him. Uh, hey, for- come on, Kelly. You got it. Oh, come on. Just try to breathe. Come on. You got it. Come on. Think about your mom. Think about your daughter. Let's go. One. Two, three, four, one, two, three. Seems like she's giving CPR. That's why they're doing the count. Um, I need to call the front desk to get an AED. He's not gonna make it. One, two, three, four, one. Five. That's a medical device. And I don't want you to disconnect because something can happen while you disconnect now. I understand, but I'm saying I need AED. I need if they have one downstairs, I need to get them up here now. Are you able so, to I, a I, neighbor, Are you going to hang him up with him to I Hang up with you, or you call him in the front desk and give me a fucking AED right here now. He's turning blue. I cannot wait any longer. And unfortunately, th- that was the last moment of um, Kevin Samuel's life. Um, I feel I feel horrible for that young lady because you know. She probably just came over there. Let's just listen, listen. I'm a straight shooter. We're just gonna call it what it is. She probably came over there, just have some good sex, turn up in good conversation. Okay. Instead, she's in a traumatic uh, situation, less than 24 hours of meeting Kevin Samuels. Now, what happened to him? I don't know if he had underlying conditions. This is all speculation, but I'm gonna just keep it real. You know, um, I think if you ask me, the toxicology report's gonna show a lot that we didn't know. I think there are options and there are possibilities. Other than if we're not just saying this is a random, you know, natural traumatic event. If this was induced by something else, it could be alcohol, drugs. It definitely could be, you know, personally, I think it might be some um, some, some sexual enhancement stimulant. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Kevin Samuels, 57, he's slaying these chicks, piping them out. Man, come on, let's just be real with ourselves, man. He might have popped the Viagra, Blue Chew, something like that. Got a little honey pack, something light. You get me? And what happens when you do all of that and you're off that age, and again, this is me guessing the toxicology report ain't out, but, you know, I do think it's kind of random that if he was, he felt fine enough to stream the night before, if he didn't feel good at all or he was, like, having a hard time with his health, he just wouldn't stream. He streamed, seemed pretty fine. He spent the night with the woman. And in the morning, he he had some chest pains. You know what I mean? I'm thinking something happened that night. Now, you could choose to believe that, oh, she, like, tried to kill him or whatever the case is, or she killed him. But I'm going to believe that based on the activities they got into, whether it was drinking, taking some illicit substance, or maybe the level of activity, that probably affected him the next day. I mean, y'all drink alcohol, don't y'all? And then when y'all drink too much, don't you have a hangover in the morning? I think maybe something like that contributed. Now, you know, I see people say, yo, there was cancer, there was this, this underlying conditions. Obviously, I'm not trying to knock none of that out of the park. But I'm just saying, I do think the toxicology report is going to probably tell us why his heart gave out so suddenly. This seems like it happened in a period of a few hours. Now, granted, you all know, my, my uncle had a heart attack scare and they, you know, he was brought to the hospital by his wife and, you know, he used to be a cardiologist and, you know, his wife, my aunt, um, um, she's a nurse. So, you know, it's one of those things where like, thank God, both of them were in the medical uh, field prior. So they knew how to act quickly because saving time is definitely going to save your life. And I'm going to be honest, in that situation, it was just chest pains that, you know, uh, uh, it was said by the doctors that my uncle got brought so quickly to the hospital that, I think it's called a I don't know is it EKG. They couldn't even detect the heart attack at first. They couldn't. They couldn't like it. It didn't show up on on whatever like you know test results they did initially. It showed up later. So again, I don't know what his prior health situations were, but but clearly this happened rapidly. If it was okay enough to stream the night before and possibly do other things after the stream, something probably happened. In that time, if you ask me. Anyway, um, a lot of stuff going on in hip-hop, man. Jack Harlow dropped. I felt like I haven't talked to y'all about an album in a minute. You know, my record of the week, in case I don't do another one of these um, for the week, is going to be Churchill Downs with Drake. I thought it was a phenomenal, you know, um, tip of the hat from Drake to Jack Harlow because it's not the normal way we see drake hop on a newer artist track when we talking about him and dirk you know dirk Infamously hopped on laugh now cry later please don't play that little boy in the club we don't listen to rats right He hopped on Yes, Indeed with Lil Baby. He hopped on, you know, Young Blue, Your Mind Still. He hopped on pretty much songs of all the newer artists that, number one, they were hits, right? Like, you know, Drake's not going to hop on a dud. But number two, the type of song, and this is why I said it's a tip of the hat to Jack Harlow, the type of song he hopped on for everybody else was different, way different, completely different than what he did for Jack Harlow. For Jack Harlow, it kind of reminded me, like, you know, how him and Wayne were on, you know, ransom. Now, granted, like he completely outrapped Jack Harlow, so don't please don't take it like I'm saying that. But he didn't choose to jump on Jack Harlow first class or industry baby or what's popping. Those are the bigger, more commercial radio sounding record. He jumped on a record with Jack Harlow where they're trading bars, an uh, introspective song. That's like a respect that I think that he gives to a Jay-Z when he does pound cake with him. I think that's a respect that he gives to a lot, to, to, um, uh, who else does he do that to? Um, he gives that to Ross, Lemon Pepper Freestyle. So when you think about those things, like that's definitely very, very, very important. And again, I think he's kind of setting it up for what people have told me just in the last year or so, that there's going to be a new school of hip hop. Not saying that Drake ain't still going to meet a man, but it's it's about time where the new generation is going to have their chosen few of the guys to carry the torch to represent certain pillars. For example, there's guys going to have to represent the club guy. There's going to be a, a guy to represent the, 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 the kind of Kendrick, like, you know, socially aware, introspective, like, you know, grounded type of dude. There's going to be a guy who's going to represent the little drug crowd. It's going to be a new set of guys for the generation that are going to get anointed. And a lot of people have said Jack Harlow is in that bunch. And when people usually talk about Jack Harlow. They kind of put him in the midst of of J. Cole and like Drake. Now again. I always got to keep delivering this caveat and disclaimer. Like man we're not saying he about to be lyrically up there like with Drake. But I can see him trying to place the the stepping stones to get to a realm that Drake occupies and controls now. I listened to his album. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was underwhelming. And it was underwhelming for a few reasons. It was underwhelming because we all know the story. You know, like, uh, rappers don't really realize, like, you know, a part of longevity, especially if you're not rapping just to get a, a, a hot song. A lot of rappers are just dropping songs to get a hit. That's whatever. You know what I mean? It's going to be hit or miss. You know, It's you're pretty much you're swinging for a home run. If you hit it out of the park, great. If you don't, you strike out, cool, right? But there's a lot of people who are consistent and have a slow build. If you think about the J. Coles, you think about the Kendricks, you think about even Drake, those people have had a slow build. So it goes with dropping pretty good projects or pretty great projects or shit, even classic projects, and continuing to build off that legacy and build off that foundation because that foundation is going to be your fan base eventually, right? Which is when you think about J. Cole, that's exactly what he did. However, Jack Harlow, you know, his effort, and it wasn't his first album. It's kind of like his sophomore album, right? Even though this might be his first official LP, according to the label, but still. This project, and it's called uh, um, Come Home, The Kids Miss You, or something like that. Project was a little bit underwhelming just because I think I think we don't know his story yet. I don't think he did a great job of telling us the story. And then also, um, a lot of the music that I listened to still leaned on the side of amateurish. Like, obviously the songs that are doing well, that are hits, they work. But in some of the other songs where he's trying to be a little bit different, I'm using amateurish, but kind of want to say cringy. And I believe that in time he's going to grow into himself. Like I heard him on The Breakfast Club and he just talked about, you know, how he's grown into himself physically I think he's going to grow into himself musically a little bit more. What I do think he has a knack for and an ear for is I think he knows how to make hits, right? Which is usually the hardest part for any artist. Now he just has to know how to make albums. And once he gets to that point, I think things will be a lot more smooth sailing for him. But this album didn't meet the hype of the singles. And also, he has a dope-ass personality. One of the great things, you know, I, I said this on my live stream recently, or this is what I was trying to convey. Jack Harlow, to me, and, like, the everybody hyping him up. You know, some people are like, industry plant. Nah, I don't think so because we've seen him or I've seen him when he was unsuccessful to a certain degree. Jack Harlow, to me, marks the end of people wanting the next to be mumble rappers. From, like, 2017 to 2020, it was all about these dudes who had, like, colored hair who are, like, doing really alternative, like, you know, SoundCloud-type music, and we're thinking, oh, they're the next, right? Like, this is the new wave. This is what the youth are going to listen to. And in really, to tell the truth, in four years from 2017 to 2021, that ish burnt out. Like, that is done. These days, people most, uh, uh, they want music that sound either more reminiscent of, you know, lyricists. And people with a story, storytelling, or they just actually want the real gangsters to start rapping about being gangsters. They don't want, remember when dudes used to swag rap about having, you know, like whatever, like Draco in a backpack or this and that. I'm not talking about Soulja Boy, but just random like rappers. Like the, the, the rapper who would just be like, all his raps is like just Neiman Marcus, Neiman Marcus catalog stuff. He's also rapping about having a Glock with him, right? And like you're looking at him like, Your bro, what is this? Now, I think that's like eradicated like street rappers really really left to street rappers these days i was talking to 21 savage he agreed with me he's like these days niggas want to hear the street rap from real street niggas and if they don't think you about it they not about to listen to you right you'd like at a time and not knocking this guy or not saying he's not a street whatever but, but come on now like let's go back to like you know why be in the mirror Let's go back to like Rich the Kid, like when they were making music and kind of having bars in their songs about, you know, them shooting people or killing people or their gangsters. You know, again, that's not a perception of, you know, a lot of people. So when the real gangsters came out, the dudes who really getting it in, the real the dudes who really got their fire in the club, the dudes who really catching them charges. Yeah, it just made it feel like, why are we listen to these guys talk about that type of stuff? Let's just go listen to the real gangsters. That's just honestly, if you ask me, what the change has been. So Jack Harlow represented the other element of the change from that 2017 or 2021 era. That shit is closed. Now people want rappers like Jack Harlow who could, like, you could do both. You could make silly songs. You could make fun songs. You could make hits, but you also got a message. And I, and I think he's going to develop over time. And I think the ceiling for him is very, 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 very high. Um, I didn't want to touch on this Young Thug thing before, you know, I get into some other things. But um, let me see real quick because I feel like I missed, uh, I missed out on a few things that happened. It's been such a long time. Such a long time. Oh, Kendrick coming back yeah uh Kendra came back he dropped the heart part four and um or part five actually and I'm a straight shoot i'm gonna just be honest, I thought it was cool I didn't think it was spectacular I didn't think it was you know I see some people just just kind of um but but you know we all. this is subjective this is not objective where access something this is what it is. Uh, I see people looking, uh, I see people saying that this is just tremendous. I thought it was cool. I think he's always creative when it comes to music. That's Kendrick Lamar. I loved him over the Marvin Gaye sample. I thought of, uh, at first it was a little off beat, but he caught it in the middle. You know what I mean? He was definitely talking some strong stuff. And by the way, I I think that's Kendrick's place in, in, in culture and music. When he's going to come with music, he's going to come with music of extreme substance. Music to music to rally um, the inner soldier in you from a, from an activist point of view, from a social justice point of view, um, from, a, a um, you know, rallying the, the oppressed POV. And I think that's why he's very important. And I seen somebody recently say, uh, let me see if I can put this up. Somebody said this recently, they said, yo, I'm not one to pit us against each other, but after the hard part five, these Drake Kendrick comparisons need to go away. Never come back ever again. Respectfully. K dot is just different. And it's interesting. Um, y'all know who I believe the best rapper is Drake, but I'm going to be honest with you. In The last year I've understood the space where each rapper stands and I'm going to use Drake, Kendrick, and Kanye. I think Kanye showed us something that Drake lacks. It doesn't make Drake less great. It just shows what Drake lacks. And I think what Kendrick shows us is what Kanye and Drake lack. And this is why it's hard to say, oh, because the other lacks that. You know, um, lacks that one attribute means that they're better because I could tell you things that Drake got that neither Kendrick or Kanye does doesn't have. Now, let me explain that point. We all knew going into CLB, this this it was gonna be a movie. You know, we know we knew we were gonna have a bunch of songs, everybody was gonna sing Girls Want Girls, Fair Trade. You know what I mean? Like he just had the bangers. He got the joints you're gonna be singing in the club, putting on your captions. We knew that. That was going to happen. So when we first compared it to an album that you know, kind of still was it was kind of all over the place. He's trying to m- m- mend this gospel situation with paying respect to his mom, but also having a bunch of artists. But really, he's focused on a lot of fans. We're like, you can't compare Kanye to Drake, and I really thought that. I I'm not gonna say my mind was changed. But what I will say is that I got a new perspective that maybe we're comparing apples to oranges because what Kanye did was show me that he could do something that Drake can't do, right? So think about it. Let's think about basketball. If I'm a great post player and you're a great three-point shooter, we're both basketball players. But if you're going to compare us and you're going to compare me shooting three-pointers rather than comparing the other guy going in the post, it's just never going to be equal, even if you flip it around. You just have to look at both people who is the better basketball player because people do different things. When I seen Kanye roll out Donda, Donda was just such an amazing experience from a live perspective. I just haven't ever seen a rapper, I think maybe Michael Jackson. We could probably say like you know like has done that, but I've never seen a rapper like get to the point of literally just making the music and the live experience be one. It was almost like a movie, like watching those Donda, like you know, uh, uh, um, the whole rollout where you're watching it, you're seeing the visual, and a lot of times now because we live in an era now where. Bro, who cares? I think Drake, for the most part, make horrible videos. Like, Drake made a video for, um, what was his last video? And, and I was just like, oh, this is bad. I, I don't even like it. I don't think the visual ever adds anything for Drake's music. I think for Kanye's music, the visual makes it make sense. But that's why Kanye is more of an artist in terms of, Even outside of music. That's why, you know, his brain has been able to do good in all types of art. Even designing. When it comes to sneakers and other things. When you look at it, right? Donda's experience. Like, I watched it like a movie. I was like, this is a great album. Just listening to it. I was like, eh. Watching the whole thing. Watching the, the rollout. Taking in that his visual creation of what you're hearing in audio form was amazing. Now, granted, I still never heard Donna, too because I still ain't get one of those STEM players, but you know, I'm pretty sure those were going to be popping as well. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, I think we're, this is where Kendrick fits into all that. Kendrick is just going to give and help foster conversations. That in the society, in the community, in the culture, are uncomfortable to had, to, to be had, and he's going to say stuff that no one with the platform like he does will say. And it's brave because that's not the thing. You, you, I don't know if you guys know um, the story of Michael Jordan. And you know when he was asked to comment about political affiliations, and he was like, "Yo, I'm not saying nothing about Democrats or Republicans." Both of them buy sneakers. It's hard to make a stance these days. And I think Kendrick puts a message out there. And he puts a stance out there that he stands on. And that people want to rally for and support him. So that's the reason why I think he stands in such a unique lane. So when he comes spitting all the shit that he's spitting. It's like, bro, you can't get that from Drake. And that's why I think, you know, it's apples and oranges. But this is why music is great. Because imagine if all three of them were doing the same thing. They're not. Like... When, when Kendrick is dropping, you realize you can't, and this is why it could take five years. You can't get nothing that Kendrick is giving you from somebody else. You can only get it from Kendrick. You can't get nothing that Kanye is getting you, giving you from nobody else. And similarly with Drake as well. So, you know, again, um, it's going to be personal choice. Obviously, I've said, you know, Drake my favorite. But for this person who said this about K Dot, I'm not going to be mad at it. I understand. I understand, and I understand when people say, yo, Kanye West and Donna, what, what that did for them, because that experience, that was legendary, I got to be honest, all right? Uh, we got to get into this YSL stuff. This was a, a very uh, surprising indictment that, that went down, because I don't know if you guys have been watching Young Thug over the last couple of years. Young Thug is kind of like transitioned into being um, just an executive, like, you know, a lot of the street stuff. You know, he used to be threatening dudes with mad guns on camera. Like, you know, he was going back and forth with people. Like, a lot of people were just kind of saying, yo, thug, he's not one to play with. But these, like, last few months or even last year, he's been focused on putting on Gunner. Focus on putting on Lil' Duke and other people within his camp. He doesn't seem to be the person who is trying to um, just still be on that gangster stuff. However, this, this Rico case came down. And it's mentioned stuff that happened in 2013. Now, let me pull up this uh, real quick. Here we go. So, Young Thug, Gunna, and 28 other defendants were charged in a 56-count indictment in Fulton County, all right? Basically, they're saying that Jeffrey Williams, a.k.a. Young Thug, a.k.a. Slime, Walter Murphy, a.k.a. D.K., and Chantania Stevenson, a.k.a. Tick and Slug, Oh, my God, what type of name is that? Anyway, let me not make fun of these guys' names. But um, these are the three guys they're saying who led this criminal organization they're calling cell. Here's how it's going to be interesting, though. How are you really distinguishing a criminal organization from the record label? They're both named the same thing. And I think we're probably going to have to look, even though this is on a federal level, at what happened with 6ix9ine. Right? Because that's what Shadi's lawyer tried to use as his defense. Like, yo, Treyway isn't a gang. Treyway is a record label owned by them. And here's the thing. It's a very fine line between business, a gang, and also a criminal enterprise. Clearly, the the, the police here feel like they've met that threshold but here's some of the things that are going to go into it. If y'all got gang signs, if there's a hierarchy, which they claim there's a hierarchy, right? And the reason why Thug is going to be facing probably the most years out of everybody, they claim that people within this gang, right? Because they said there's a bunch of things that certifies a gang. Hand signs, um, lingo, uh, um hierarchy in terms of criminal activity because apparently two dudes was asking a young thug for the permission to kill wife and lucci in jail which that sounds like some mob or mafia type stuff but they're basically saying he's a head honcho where other gang members have to ask his permission to commit crime now that might be a stretch and we're gonna see in court but in reality, that's all they need to charge you. Like, this indictment is so crazy. The only charge we see that they got on Gunna is for him repping YSL. Now, I think he should be able to say, well, that's my label. What are y'all talking about? That's my label. Why can't I say YSL? But here's the thing. It, they're gonna They're using one of his music videos where they're saying, well, it's more than music if not only your music, you're talking about the crimes. Number two, in all the music videos and anytime you're around, you're hanging with all the gang members. Y'all are calling each other nicknames that are gang nicknames. I think he could probably beat that stuff, but Young Thug, they're saying that they they want him bad. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things from 2014 they got against him, they said, yo, he rented a 2014 Infinity Q50 sedan from Hertz. So by the way, I, I, I hope y'all, y- y'all um, rappers realize this now. These rental car agencies are giving it up, okay? Now, in 2014, they rented this Infiniti Q50 sedan, Young Thug Did, from Hertz, which was used in the commission of a murder of Donovan Thomas, a rival gang member, on January 10th, 2015. Now, here's the thing. Because we've seen this kind of thing happen already, and I think he actually beat the case. Black Youngster was accused of renting the car. Right. Black youngster was accused of renting a car that did the the 100 the shots on the bulletproof vehicle that young Dolph was in at one point. However, he beat that case. So this is kind of similar, obviously different state. But they're saying young thug is the person that rented a car. Now, they're trying to put a lot of stuff together to make it make sense that hopefully a jury could agree, because. It doesn't seem like they have much proof that young thug sent those dudes to go kill that person but they're trying to link it with the other stuff like well we know dudes in this in this organization ask thug for permission to do crimes we see that in the wife and lucci situation because they asked them for permission to try to kill wife and lucci then they're going to try to use that to say well in 2015 they if they drove his car to go do uh, or drove a car he rented to go do a murder they probably got permission or they got some type of approval of him to go do this crime which goes into this whole criminal conspiracy organization type of stuff kind of gets a little bit deep but you could tell they're trying to like when it comes to these rappers the, the, the cops is pushing P okay and the P it ain't stand for player it stand for prison all right um, this is a picture of Young Thug, and he just kind of got the face. I don't know if they're reading him something. He got a face of like, I did all that? What the fuck? <laughs> anyway, um, this is what I was telling y'all about. The prosecutor alleges that uh, two associates of YSL, these two dudes, worked to get permission of Young Thug to make a second attempt to murder wife and Lucci. So think about it. It's a second attempt, which means there was a first. So, they're basically saying, and I do think that uh, uh, Young Thug got hit with attempted murder. So, Young Thug is charged, I believe, with attempted murder. I actually got his charges up here. Okay, 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 hold on. This is about the conspiracy. We can go back to that in a second. Um, Right here, they kind of lay it out. This is in Diamond, people, all right? His name is Jeffrey Williams, so we're going to catch it on what page it is. Where is it? Okay. Okay, Jeffrey Williams, right here. Yep, right here. So Jeffrey Williams, he he has a few counts. Okay, and he has count um one of fifty six, which is uh um, I think includes the attempted murder charge, but I think it it is kind of complicated, but it lumps in a lot of stuff into it, but um. He has a ton of charges. Gunna only has one charge. Okay? And actually, here we go again. This guy, uh, not to say too much, even though it's all written here. This guy is who they're basically saying is like the shooter. You know what I mean? Or whatever the case is. Who knows? Anyway, what does this mean for Thugman? We've seen Rico charges kind of get brought down on rappers a lot recently. Usually that was kind of left alone only for the feds. And the feds usually file those when it comes to New York, when it comes to the Chicago, right? And other places, even LA as well, right? Um, just because they have more resources and they usually just swoop in and they get open and shut cases, right? So, for example, 6 9 that was the feds. However, the state does do RICO charges as well for certain states. Like, for example, in Florida, I believe Hot Boy got a state RICO charge. Also, and Lucci got a state RICO charge. Um, for, for Young Thug, another state RICO charge. And what does this tell me? This tells me that Atlanta, the police and probably the mayor and probably the governing people there have realized a few things. Atlanta is where there is a tremendous amount of really wealthy rappers, rappers who got a lot of resources. And what's happening is that most of them, they're starting to kind of create these like little militias underneath them in terms of like maybe this little gang or whatever they want to call it, because they're saying all of these dudes, he's got their own gang. They got a lot of money to finance it and they're doing a lot of fuckery. And I think the city of Atlanta, Also the state of Georgia is getting tired of it and they're not waiting for the feds no more. So they're charging these dudes right now. That's just how they're doing it. And watching this, I don't know if thug gets out on bail, but it's clear they were sitting on this since 2013. And you know, there's a lot of like other street elements that ain't mentioned in paperwork. So I won't say it because those are rumors, but from what I hear, and I'll just just blanketly put this out, I hear there was a lot of retaliation things that was happening. Okay? So this gang is trying to kill this gang, this gang is trying to kill that gang. There were casualties and and other people that are caught up in the mix. I think the cops were kind of watching all this happen, and then they're like, F it, let's just lock these dudes up, let's get them off the streets. It's kind of unfortunate. Gunner hasn't been taken into custody yet, but whenever that is, we will see. We will see what happens. I seen um, no cap, and by the way, no cap for being on the last episode of off the record. Make sure you guys watch that episode. Episode before this, no cap actually said, "Yo, look how the people talk about you." And what he was talking about is that he he screenshotted some comments. Uh, I'll put it up here. He screenshotted some comments of people talking about thug. And and it was like, yo, too late, Kim. They're part of the RICO Act. Oh, not doing her best. She four months late. That P stand for prison now. Right? And this one, no cap. He says, letter to the internet. Y'all bashing nigga about not living what they rapping about. Then when a nigga go fed about this shit. And leave their family. It shows y'all niggas still deep in. Y'all laugh and make jokes about it. So word to all rappers: stay out the way and stay free. This is how they do us when we go in. Yo, I agree. I've always said like, you know, rap is is, is the most hypocrisy of all. Right? Like, for the most part, you think a rapper is pussy with security, and if he dies without security, you say, where was the security? Right? You you think a rapper like yo. Man, this nigga not real. He not living his raps. And by the way, here's, here's, here's the um, ignorant part of music too. And rap music at that. Because I even say this shit. be like, yo, that shit hit hard because I know he bout it. So realism and authenticity matters in hip hop. However, if rappers were really to be real and authentic, they'd be going to jail. And if they go to jail, we're going to laugh at them. When we think they doing it, we support them. When we know they doing it, it's like, oh, yeah, he bought that life. When they go to jail for it, you're like, man, I can't believe this dude wasted this opportunity. So I agree with, with, with No Cap. I just think it's always going to be just hypocrisy. That's just how rap music is. That's just how it is. The streets is is, is, is filled with hypocrisy. Rap music on how they treat violence is or hypocrisy like it's always going to be like that some rappers just understand what it is like for example i think young boy gotta understand what it is i think young boy cognizantly had all them guns and all that type of stuff in his music and music videos to let people know he was still on that bs why because it sells better now was he still on that yeah but here's the thing when you're still on that and you're putting out a public advertisement that you're still on it Yeah, the cops are going to catch you at one point. So so you're facing Fed time. Okay, so what what are we supposed to take from that? You got the benefits of your career being a little bit more lit because you're believable. But then you put your freedom at risk, and you may have to go sit down for a little while. You're still making choices. It's just that, like, people don't realize there's no, like, one solution that, especially when it comes to street shit, that you just win and there's no consequences. If you're rapping about bodies and, and they can see you never been in no beef, then I going not believe you. But if you're beefing and something happened, they're going to call you dumb. Yeah, there's no win. Again, definitely no win. No win at all. Anyway, um, yeah, I really just wanted to get on here and, and, and talk about this. His lawyer seems super confident. I like how the lawyer talked about it. You know, uh, I was listening to this one guy. He was talking about hiring a lawyer. He was like, you know, even I had to hire a lawyer recently because, like, I got some traffic tickets and stuff. And while talking to a lawyer, I know I want to hear a few things. I don't want to hear the lawyer kind of be like, oh, these charges are tough. Uh, we can see what we do. You know what my lawyer told me? How many points you facing? Like, we got points, on like, you could get points to your license which could get it suspended, right? I'm, like, facing eight points. You know what he says? You're innocent. We're getting you zero. I say, you're hired. Let's go. Thug's attorney? The way he talked? Oh, yeah, this guy you want to, like, now he's going to bleed you dry, like, monetarily, but s- such is life. He He's talking like he's going to have young thug out of jail by the weekend. Listen to this. The response to any allegation is Mr. Williams committed no crime whatsoever, and we will fight to my last drop of blood to clear him. I'll tell you the respect. I will fight till my last drop of blood to clear him. Nah, that that that's that, That's how I want my lawyer talking. I'm sorry. That's how my lawyer talking, people. That's how my lawyer's supposed to talk. Anyway, that's Drew Fiddling. It's the first time I've actually seen his face, but I've heard his name a lot because he's one of them celebrity lawyers that do a lot of you know cases down there he he's a popular one and then um the ronin guy who's like kodak calls dad does a lot for a lot of other people too so these are like lawyers who probably filthy fucking rich off of you know expenses from rappers because all they do is celebrity clients and yeah their job is just to try to reduce jail time or keep their clients out of jail that their their clients could keep making money and you know it's one thing if you're charging a regular person it's another thing if you're charging a rapper you know what i mean Be like yo what's your charges you know the regular person is going to go to jail, right? How much do you not want to go to jail? Okay. We're going to get that we're going to get that money in a retainer fee, okay? That's just how it goes. Anyway, yo, I just want to say uh, thank you for supporting uh, Off the Record recently. I'm going to get a lot more of these types ep- types episode coming out more frequently for y'all. I have some guests coming in. Also, we're going to start traveling again in a little bit. You know, I've been enjoying my time back in Jersey. Um, we're building out some more studios. We're doing some more upgrades to the space we have have already. Thanks to all the guests who came through, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and thanks to some of the, the people who've been on episodes you guys even checked out. One of my favorite episodes I want you guys to go check out is the Pink Sweat episodes. Really dope. I love that episode. Um, the young and ace episode, banger, bro. Banger. Yo, I can't believe we did like a two and a half talk and it was just like real. You know, um, to see where me and him were at like a year ago or a year and a half, and to see where we got to in a conversation was lovely. You know, please go check that out. All right. Listen, man, it's DJ Academics it's been another episode of Off the Record Podcast. This was a impromptu off the record episode. It was an emergency one after seeing what happened. But, you know, you know, I send my prayers out to the families of Kevin Samuels, people who have lost their loved ones, and also definitely send my uh, um 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 well wishes to young thug and his family as you know he's a father and he has a lot of kids and he's in jail today hopefully him wanna and the rest of the YSL so they make it out all right i'll catch you guys on wednesday and uh, maybe i'll drop another episode in between then all right peace out guys